the Ghost Goal Podcast. Part two of our Premier League season previews brings us a little bit further up the table to a couple teams in limbo looking to avoid relegation and push their way further up the Premier League table. We've got Wolves for you. We've got West Ham. We've got Bournemouth. We've got Crystal Palace. And shocker, biggest shocker of the year, we've got Chelsea. That's why I said only a little bit further up the table, lads. We got we to gotta talk about these uh, bottom half Said the other bottom half of the table teams, right, Alex? Of course. But before uh, we do that, uh, of course, I'm Alex here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Call Podcast, episode 415. I'm going to enjoy this season. I'm just going to tell you that, you know, being able to say it's your 12th place, you know, you were 12th place last season. I'll be able to hold it over you for a whole season, you know? I mean, I, I don't know what season you're talking about. 12th place? When did that happen? You mean the season where we had three managers? Four managers, if you count uh, Bruno Saitor? Uh, yeah, no, that's that never happened. We're, uh, we're moving on, looking further up the table, which is a perfect way to start us off, because uh, it, it's strange to have Chelsea at this point of the season previews. Uh, if you haven't picked up on it yet, we are you know, working our way from the bottom of the table uh, further up and working our way up the table uh, using last season's standings to sort of, you know, put every team in their, their different categories. Uh, Chelsea did finish 12th last season. I'm not going to, I'm not going to seriously uh, avoid that. It's, there's no getting around it. Um, but that of course has led to one of the biggest combinations of uh, an exodus and, you know, influx of new players that the club has ever seen probably in 20 years since uh, like 2003 when Roman Abramovich uh, first bought the club. Where, where else should we start with Chelsea than with the man who saw Chelsea most recently? And no, it's not me, the Chelsea fan on this pod. It's you, Javier. You were at the uh, Chelsea-Fulham uh, Premier League Summer Series uh, game to see Mauricio Pochettino win his first trophy as Ch- Chelsea manager. I was. What were your thoughts from I that I ran game? out of the stadium and, uh, before I could see any of that crap, though. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you're but trying to beat the traffic. Blue and white streams on. Uh, yeah, there's on, no on chance I was ever going to sit through any of that. Um, but no, I I I, uh, I did go to the summer series. It was uh, a nice hot, not not incredibly hot, but sunny day out in uh, FedEx Field, and I got to watch uh, Brighton or uh, Brentford versus Aston Villa, which was a, a great game. Three uh, three, it ended up, and you know both sides looked uh, looked lively. We're not going to talk about either of them on this pod, but. Uh, I did watch then the uh, Chelsea Fulham game, and yeah, Alex. I mean, there's this is this is kind of unprecedented. I was fairly surprised with what I saw. Um, I wasn't. I mean, it's a completely different team. There's just no elements of the last team that was there. There's no players left anymore. It's just it's it's a completely different team. The the players that are left are maybe like Chalaba, Thiago Silva, um, you know, Kepa. But they barely had any influence on what was going on in the game and what I saw. Chelsea now have a complete, a very youthful side. Um, they press better, it seems. You know, Maurizio Pochettino has them already pressing better than what I ever saw last season. Uh, they move the ball quicker. Again, this is all just stuff that wasn't at Chelsea before. Oh, Enzo was there, of course. But it, 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 I say new at Chelsea 
within the last six months, you know, cause this, I'm going to, I'm going to count the transfer window as January and the summer. Obviously you guys just made January your summer overspent to try to get players more integrated quicker, getting players like Modric in, but it's really just the whole transfer window. You guys, you know, completely changed the club within one year and it's a pretty insane feat. Um, I, I never expected that you could have just gotten rid of Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Kovacic, not, and not saying that all these players are going to do badly at their clubs, but you just completely got rid of the entire Champions League winning team. Some of the key members, you know, Kai Havertz scored the goal. Mason Mount was on the pitch. You know, you had Mateo Kovacic playing. Uh, you know, Christian Pulisic was in that team. Edward Mendy, N'Golo Conte, Cesar Espiliqueta. I mean, this is the, the entire team has just been flipped. And I was just so surprised with what I saw. I mean, uh, players that stood out to me um, that I, I really enjoyed watching. I thought uh, Ian Matson, who I'd never watched play. Uh, he's just very, very quick on the ball. Uh, you know, super nimble, has great decision-making, uh, you know, v- very similar to someone like Bukayo Saka. So that's an exciting player for, for Chelsea fans to be excited about. I was impressed with some of the youngsters that were brought on. Um, you know, I think Humphreys played in the first half um, and I saw Alfie Gilchrist come on. He looked, you know, composed on the ball. Uh, so did uh, Angelo, uh, Angelo Gabriel. He looked much better than what I thought he would just coming from Brazil. You know, similar to Marquinhos, you know, he's still very, he's c- composed on the ball. I think he's the type of player you're going to have to definitely send on loan. He's not going to be a starter for Chelsea, but he can grow on loan. And, and if he does well, he'll, he'll have a lot of potential in the future. Um, I, I liked Cassidy. Uh, he looked impressive when he came on, uh, you know, again, composed on the ball for, for a youngster and for, you know, playing on a team like Chelsea. Oh, Reese James was a, was a big one. That's, that's one that, you know, he still has that Chelsea identity and can kind of lead the team going forward. Um, same with Trevor Chalaba, Connor Gallagher, players like that. Uh, so you still have like a good Chelsea core there to, to like lead these other youngsters coming in. Um, and then I think the one that impressed me the most uh, were there was two players, Alex. One was Lewis Hall. You know, I really liked him on at left back. I think he's going to be a big feature for Chelsea this season. I think we saw him at the end of last season. Frank played him, you know, in the last five or six games or so. But I think he's a great attacking uh, outlet. You know, plays pretty well defensively, but could, but has a lot of composure on the ball. So he can even come into midfield. And, and if you guys ever do play try to play the inverted role like I, I i could see pochettino doing something like that i think he would be a very useful player um and then nicholas jackson i mean that guy is uh him oh, yeah he's i've been pleasantly surprised with how so much more like yeah. polished he looks than what i was seeing from you know the limited research i i was doing he's, on you know, he's an unbelievable player highlights uh, last i don't year. know how you guys only paid whatever 40 million for him that's a bargain because this guy's it was because of his yeah spanish teams have to have a release clause in all of their players contracts and his was 35 million so he's gonna um, score yeah, boatloads of goals um, he's powerful super uh nifty on the ball he's like a sadio mane i mean he can just he feels like he could play across the front line he could play on the wing or um in the middle because of his versatility how quick he is on the ball um and he's just a, he's a great finisher he's lethal so a great player for chelsea i i mean that in Christopher Nkunku, we all we've seen him play. You know, he's he seems to be like he's going to be the polished uh, the polished product. You read my mind there. Um, you know, I I he we what we've seen what we saw on Leipzig, what we've seen for France. You know, he he was the same for Chelsea, and he's he's a he's a great player. So worth the money that you guys paid for him. You know, trying to sign him early and uh, 
bringing him in, even, you know, letting him be a half season over there or, or or trying to, you know, let him finish his contract, whatever it was, but it was, it was really smart by Chelsea and again, completely different team. It's, I think I, I don't necessarily know where to place Chelsea because I think this team could grow a lot. You have so many youngsters. There's a lot of potential in the team. I think there's a there's a pretty big window of like you you could go from twelfth all the way up to like potentially you know like fourth place probably I think is like the the whoa yeah Javier you you and I we have you know we we talk almost every single day mostly via text and I've been mentioning to you how I, I've started seeing popping up you know, these you know podcasts similar to us you know smaller level podcasts but you know they they have their Instagram clips and things on Reddit that get shared around and things on Twitter as well, where I've started noticing more and more people picking Chelsea to finish in the top oh, four. Oh, I'm not going to pick you. I'm not going to pick you. I'm not saying you I'm just saying that that's like the ceiling. That's the ceiling. I'm bringing it up. I, I, yeah, no, I get it. But that would be me, like, you I'm, know, the, I'm the a 10% fan, or 5% and I'm not, chance I'm not even something. willing to, to go there yet. Uh, this season, I think the absolute baseline needs to be a European place. We have whether it's conference league, I'm not saying I'd be proud of that, obviously, whether it's conference league, Europa league, we don't have to deal with those competitions this season. Now, the last time that happened at Chelsea, Antonio Conte came in and won the league when we'd finished 10th. Again, not saying that's going to happen either, but what that does point to is a level of focus and preparation that you're, you're, you're given as a, a team that, you know, traditionally in, in the recent times for Chelsea has had, you know, games every three days uh, now, that's not something I want to continue past this season, but for this one season, it could be a blessing for Pochettino where he has more time on the training pitch with those players. I mean, I think you, know, you could fewer, see like Reese James, Reese James maybe staying fit all season, you know, because he's not playing, you know, every three days. Maybe. And and even you know, you and could... even if he doesn't, we have Malo Gusto, who I think, you know, if Reese James, for whatever reason, didn't exist, I would be comfortable with Malo Gusto starting. Yeah, he looked, uh, he us. started he's in that game and he looked, uh, he looked Again, compose on the ball. He reminded me of Nuno Tavares. Actually, he's he's very very quick, a little bit a little bit brash. Like he you know kind of kind of goes in for tackles. I think he's going to get some cards early on if he does play. Um, but a, a great attacking outlet, and you know will will suit Chelsea's play style if they want attacking fullbacks. If you know Pochettino ever wants like a wants to go three at the back and play with wingbacks, then. Malagusta is going to be a, a great player for that. So a lot of versatility yeah. in the Chelsea team. You know, same thing with Lewis Hall. Um, you know, but let's get away from like the the Chelsea. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's Fulham a lot of stuff. there's a lot of youngsters in in this team that need need to hit the ground running. I didn't even mention Andre Santos. You know, he looked super composed <sighs> Dude, I'm on the so ball. Excited about him. Um, I'm so you know, excited. He's, he's going to definitely, I think, stay at Chelsea and play. You know, start this season, probably break into the team if. You know, he looks that he's the type of player that if he gets consistent run of games, I'm sure he could grow a lot in this Chelsea side. So I think initially there might be some some losses, but down the line, I think Chelsea are going to be a much more difficult team to play against. I think Pochettino is going to need a few months to whip the team into shape. But when he does, I, I feel like it's going to be scary. The potential is, is definitely there. I mean, there's there's the energies there. The uh, it feels like. Chelsea's kind of back. That sucks. It's like you guys were gone. I'm not going to go all the way there to say that Chelsea's back. We will be back if, you know, there is any kind of trophy win this season. That obviously 
would mean you know one of the two domestic cups if we can do that in the very first season while obviously improving the the premier league position and maybe even like threatening and like competing for the top four that would be an excellent season for Pochettino in his first season the those are not normal expectations at Chelsea but I think given the absolute shit show that was last season and the amount of you know players that have exited uh, new players coming in new mostly young players that are coming in I think it's fair to say that, you know, any kind of trophy win and uh, competing for top four would be excellent. So um, I I think when the dust settles, I'm thinking Chelsea probably pick around sixth place for Chelsea. There's just too many teams above us, you know, that finished above us last season. I I can't see Chelsea being better than. Right. I was about to say that's definitely, definitely like a much more realistic uh, that's probably I I th- I, I was going to put you guys maybe fifth, but I mean it's one place above. Yeah, <laughs> it's not not that not that crazy. Maybe fifth. Um, maybe just before fifth. we move on, I, I feel like I didn't get to say this yet. I feel like we've kind of danced around it since he signed because it was a long time ago that he technically signed. But uh, I think we were relying on Christopher and Kunku to be the finished product. There's more pressure on him than I can think of of anyone since like Fernando Torres when he came in to, you know, immediately be a polished goal scoring weapon in this Chelsea team because all of these other players, all of these other signings you look at and you think they're ones for the future. It may take a season or, or maybe even two for some of these players to, you know, show that they're at the level that would be expected of Chelsea and Kunku is the the one, the big signing, sixty million euros, scored bunches of goals in uh, in uh, Germany and in European like cup competitions the last couple of years. We need him to come in and start firing right away. I, I'm I'm confident that he will, but I've been confident before about players like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner and Christian Pulisic, other Bundesliga exports who haven't worked out for us. So here's to fourth time being the charm, uh, but. I think he'll end the season probably with like 15 goals. Is 15 too much? Am I being too... Uh... God, I don't remember the last time a Chelsea player scored 15 goals in the Premier League, dude. It's been, it's been a minute, yeah. <laughs> probably like since uh, since we won the league was the last time. Oh, no, probably Eden Hazard before he left in 2019. That's probably the last time. I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about Chelsea in the, uh, you know, the coming the coming weeks. Um we were initially going to do this pod in person over the weekend with uh, my, my brother Hugo to you know uh, to, to have him talk about Chelsea a little bit as well. But Hugo, if you're listening to this, maybe you and I need to jump on like an Instagram live or something and uh, dive deeper on Chelsea than just the the 15 minutes we dedicated to them here. Uh, but l- let's move on a little bit further down the table. A team that I want to bring up next because you you, you tease this last time and you've talked about this with me off off of the mics Crystal Palace they finished last season above Chelsea in 11th place 45 points they were reeling for a couple months there in the middle of the season fired Patrick Vieira brought back Roy Hodgson and he steadied the ship and pushed them very far up the table much higher than I think most people anticipated what are your thoughts on Crystal Palace going into this season I think they're in crisis mode I mean I think they re-signed Roy Hodgson, which I I don't think is a good move uh, because it's going to be incredibly difficult for any player to want to go to Crystal Palace this summer. 
number one, they don't really want to play against, you know, under Roy Hodgson, a 72 or whatever, 73-year-old coach who was retired and came in at the last minute and has been given a contract. You know, if I'm a player, I'm, that wouldn't excite me. And then you see huge players leaving the club. Um, I know that, you know, people don't know, but Luka Milojojevic was, you know, captain there for a long time, took penalties there for a long time. He didn't play that much last season. Um, but him, Wilfred Zaha, who main goal scorer, I mean, for Crystal Palace for the last seven, eight years, uh, you know, went on a free to Galatasaray. Uh, James MacArthur, mainstay in Crystal Palace's midfield. You know, again, I know he'd been phasing out, but some of the veterans out and Jack Butlin as well. Um, but they haven't signed anyone except for Jeff- Jefferson Lamra from Bournemouth on a free. So I I think Crystal Palace are in big danger of going down. I definitely think they're going to be in relegation trouble. I think they're probably going to have to fire Roy Hodgson in the middle of the season. Um, and I'm surprised. Like I, th- They had a whole summer, right? They could have hired some young, talented coach, Brought, like tried to inspire players like Elise or like now I think players like like Elise is probably going to leave this summer. You know, it looks like City are targeting him, Chelsea, a bunch of teams. I'm, I'm sure he wants to leave. He doesn't want to play under Hodgson. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the best young talents at Crystal Palace are going to try to get out. You know, it kind of feels like Palace is sinking ship. And it might be that they end, end up not sinking this season and they finish like 16th or 17th. But... I actually think they're going to finish in 18th and, and be my third relegation pick. So I teased it on the last spot, Alex, and I'm picking them to go down. I understand your concern. You know, Jefferson Lerma being the only signing, that, that is a concern for sure. Because with, when you lose Wilfred Zaha, you need to have maybe not a player that directly replaces him because they do have Eberechi as a, they could still hold on to Olise. Those are two players with the talent to, to, you know, make that next step and fill the void left by Zaha. But you need another young player. They're, they're usually pretty good about signing players from, you know, the championship and, and League One who are absolute standouts at that level and are, you know, hungry for the opportunity to play in the Premier League at such a young age. That was Eze from QPR. That was Elise from Reading. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and make a move like that and... You know, people criticize them for not directly replacing Zaha. But I, I think, especially from what we've seen from Eze in preseason this season, where, you know, he's tearing every team, you know, to shreds. I think he has like three goals and five assists in, you know, four or five games. He, he He's ready to make that step up. The, the thing that makes me think that, you know, they should be concerned, but I don't think they'll get relegated is that they still have like a, a solid core of defenders and midfielders that can execute what Roy Hodgson wants to do. There's always been question marks about the amount of goals that Palace are going to get from players like Mateta and Odson Edouard and uh, Jordan Ayew. Those are still going to be there regardless, but if they can keep the, you know, the solid defensive record with those uh, defenders like Joachim Anderson and Mark Gahey as the center backs, then Cheek Ducore... And Jefferson Lerma is a, a very good signing, probably Bournemouth's like best like Swiss Army knife of a defender last season. They can keep that defensive record strong enough. The, you know, Mateta and, and Edouard and Eze and Olise, if all those players stay, I think they can, you know, scrounge up enough goals to keep them lower, lower in the table, but not quite in the relegation zone. So I, I'm still picking like bottom half for them. So 
Uh, I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but I think they'll have just enough and make one or two signings before the window closes at the end of the month. Remember, it's August 1st. Today yeah, is August There could 1st. be some signings. We have this is all definitely of very August early. Yeah. before the window closes. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple so other I, I teams think, I'm worried about. So right now, it looks to me like they could go down, but maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change. If they make a couple big signings, then the worry should go away. You know, because I think they're going to lose Elise. So. Well, moving on. A little bit further down the table, uh, Bournemouth, last season, they finished 15th, uh, ended up not being in as much of a relegation scrap as they, uh, you know, we anticipated them uh, being in. Uh, we, we've mentioned on a pod at the te- very tail end of last season uh, that they uh, fired their manager, Gary O'Neill, who steered them to safety and uh, brought in uh, Spanish manager Andoli Iraola from uh, Rayo Vallecano. And we, you know, we kind of talked about him and you know his uh, philosophy then but we haven't gotten the chance to talk about you know some of the signings they've made we mentioned Jefferson Lerma leaving to go to Crystal Palace that's you know good for Palace not great for Bournemouth what, what do you honestly think their I, level I, I don't like agree with you this, I don't agree with you uh, on the Lerma relegation battle I think Lerma's just like he's he he's just too stupid to play in the Premier League he gets red cards and does dumb decisions and Gives, gives away also, penalties. I don't he also like, scores big goals whatever. and, you know, can play in any position in defense and did that plenty of times when Bournemouth had injuries. That's why I called him a Swiss Army knife. He's play, capable of playing center back, right back, defensive midfield, pushing forward. I, I'm a big Jefferson Lerma fan. He is my Philip Billing, Javier. You love Philip Billing. I love I Jefferson Lerma. I do love Lerma. Philip Billing. <laughs> love you some Philip Billing. But what do you think Bournemouth's threat level is for, you know, relegation this season? I don't really think they are. I mean, I think that I have them kind of, you know, they might flirt with it a little bit this season, but I have Areola doing well with them, them playing, you know, possession football. I really like the signings they made. Um, yeah, but the problem is he doesn't play possession football. He's a very defensive, pragmatic manager. You're going to see times with Bournemouth this season where they're playing a back six. He loves to play his four at the back very narrow and demand that his wingers come back and become part of the back line because it's kind of like the the reverse philosophy from what those possession attacking managers want where they want to those managers want to push a team as deep as possible so they don't have many players higher up the field to break out and you know form a significant counterattack Iriola kind of takes advantage of that mindset by saying, okay, we'll give into that. We'll make you think you're, you know, pushing us deeper. And then we're going to break mainly through the wings fast anyway. It's it's a lot of stress and pressure to put on not only the, the wing backs, but also the wingers. And in terms of that side of things, I I don't think Bournemouth just right now today have the wing backs to really pull this this kind of method off. But I think it could, you know, get a, a lot of uh, positives out of the, the wingers that they have. We, we talked about Justin Clivert signing. That's like a pretty promising signing, even though he's flattered to deceive so far in his career. Uh, Marcus Tavernier, I don't think, you know, was amazing last season, but he had some highlights, some, you know, borderline goal of the season contenders. That that's something to build off of. Uh, Jaden Anthony was hot and cold. And the new signing that they took, they brought in in January, Dango Utara, I, I thought was you know one of the the best signings for any Premier League team in January. He was he, he really uh, sums up that 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 pace and directness that Bournemouth are going to need on the wings, 
And then they also have a, a player like David Brooks coming back, the the Welsh player who, you know, had uh, leukemia and was out for like two years with it. He only just started coming back into the side uh, midway through last season. Maybe this season is the one where he you know, finally gets his career like back on track. So th- they really need for those those wingers to a couple of those wingers to make a step up and maybe they can push their way up the table and have a better, better season this season. I, I'm not willing to bet on it, but, you know, outside of Chelsea, they're the team down in, in this group of five that I'm looking at as, you know, somewhat capable of improving their position from last year, because at least they've made yeah, the transfers. I agree with that. I think, I, I, I don't know why. I just, I loved that move of them firing their manager, even though they, he kept them up. It's just, it, it, to me, it screams ambition, not mediocrity. And, uh, like like the team we're about to talk about, Alex. Oh, you're, you're casting aside Bournemouth that quickly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, West Ham. West Ham, Alex. The only team that we've uh, that we've covered so far that have not made a single signing yet. <laughs> they have obviously sold their best player and Declan Rice. So they uh, they definitely have money. We know that for sure because they sold them for more than a hundred million uh, euros. So what I've heard, Alex, what I've heard is that they, the West Ham board wanted to sack David Mo, Davide, Davide Moyes, and David Moyes, Davide Moyes says He's Scottish, and uh, yeah, David Moyes, and he wanted to sack him, but because he won the Euro- the uh, Conference League, they couldn't do it. So. Now they don't want to give him money. They don't want to let him spend on players that he wants for his philosophy because they want to save that money for the next, you know, exciting manager that can come in. What do you think of this, Alex? Do you think there are any threat of relegation if they just let Moyes go in with this team? There's always a threat of relegation. I do think that David Moyes is the manager that I would have pretty high up on, like if I was making a bet for who gets sacked first, because he's working with a pretty short leash. His start to the season isn't easy either. They have Bournemouth away in the opening day. Then they host Chelsea. They go to Brighton. They go to Luton. And then they have Manchester City and away at Liverpool. So that's Chelsea, Brighton, City, and Liverpool. Like four out of their first six games. And, you know, Luton and Bournemouth away as the other ones. You know, manageable, but not not easy. They also have to contend with competing in the Europa League this season. Because by winning the Europa Conference League, you automatically get into the the Europa League proper. So uh, this is a team that finished uh, 14th last season and was in the relegation zone with like a couple of weeks to go. And they've got an even uh, an even tougher competition in the Europa League to contend with at the same time. Uh, all while, you know, trying to find a replacement for Declan Rice, their, you know, their talismanic midfielder. I'm expecting them to make a signing. There were strong links with Paulinha from uh, from Fulham, uh, but he dislocated his shoulder in a preseason friendly and looks like he's going to be out for uh, a good bit. So those links have kind of cooled off. But they've also been linked with players like Edson Alvarez, the uh, Mexican midfielder from uh, Ajax. And honestly, they seem like a prime candidate. Like if that Alvarez signing or Paulinha doesn't happen, I-, I don't see why they wouldn't just go to Southampton and say, here's 30 million, give us James Ward-Prowse. And, you know, maybe they get negotiated up from there, but they need something. They need some talent and experience in that midfield, because right now they're going to be relying on a player like Flynn Downs, who, uh, you know, came off the bench and played a lot of games for them last season. But, you know, if you're going from they got Rice to, Alex. to Flynn they Downs, have, uh... I'm just saying, I'm just saying 
like Sukhshek and Paqueta could be the, the starting midfield there. Do you, do you think that's going to, you know, make up for losing Declan Rice? I, I don't think it is. I, I think they, they're going to have to look for other solutions. And you, you, know, you would mainly go to signing a new player and letting that new player try to fill the void. Uh, but, you know, maybe they, like you said, maybe they don't trust Moyes to, to be the one who brings that new player in. Um, I, I see them staying down in the bottom half of the se- of the of the league this season. Yeah, maybe I th- I th- I maybe they get re- similar, threatened by relegation for a few probably. weeks. Yeah, they maybe they get threatened by relegation for a few weeks, and that's what gets Moyes sacked, like a bad run of four or five games, and then they they bring in someone else and you know go right back up to around mid table, um, and uh, their focus I think is still going to be on winning the Europa League. They got all the way to the semifinal two years ago and lost to Eintracht Frankfurt, who eventually went on and won that competition. I'm sure with, you know, the players they still have and, you know, signings they've made as recently as last year, like uh, Scamacca, the Italian center forward who kind of disappointed, they're going to be relying on players like that and Danny Ings to, you know, make up for what they're losing in Declan Rice in different areas of the pitch. Saeed Benrahma is even one that, like, I still have hope could be, you know, or like have a have a step up kind of season where he, you know, improves statistically with his goals and assists. There's other areas of the pitch where they need to improve to make up for that, such a big loss in midfield. Okay, so last and uh, maybe least in terms of how excited I am to talk about them is Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, they finished an unremarkable uh, 13th in the league last year. Uh, had a little bit of a relegation scare themselves until they brought in uh, former Sevilla manager Julian Lopetegui. They've made plenty of signings, but they've also lost very key players in multiple different phases of the pitch. Uh, we, we've talked about Ruben Neves uh, going to Al-Halal as part of the the exodus to Saudi Arabian clubs and how significant that feels uh, for a player who's 26 years old in the prime of his career and playing in the Premier League for the last like four or five years, leaving uh, for the big payday. But it's not just him. It's players like Nathan Collins, one of their... I, actually, I think it's fair to say their best young center back has I, left. You, to go I thought to he Brentford. was their best center back. Yeah. Well, him and Cody. I mean, now they lost their two starting center backs. Well, well Cody was at Everton last year. Oh, right. like, okay. out, on, out on loan, and then they've sold him to Leicester. But then the, the final one, the significant one, I think, even though it doesn't feel like it now, is Raul Jimenez. Uh, they've well, just and sold him to Fulham. Yes, right. Chao Moutinho. They just Chao Moutinho and him. Ruben Neves. So. Adama Traore, Raul Jimenez. I mean, just so many of these players are gone. I don't... I mean, it's going to give opportunities to some of the younger players in the squad. I know they still have Neto. They still have um, Podence. They still have... Now they have Mateus Cunha. Uh, they got the they got brought in Bubakar Traore from Mets. He's an exciting, you know, center midfielder. Um, who can play alongside? Um... <laughs> well, I, I was going to say they, they. I actually don't think they should be that concerned about losing Nevesh because they've made so many signings in the last year. Uh, the, the main one from last summer was Mateus Nunez from uh, Sporting Lisbon. Yeah, Mateus Nunez. That kid is he's he's they fantastic. Also, in January, it, it makes me think that they they were anticipating. Neves leaving, maybe not to Saudi Arabia, but leaving you know this summer at least, because in January they signed uh, João Gomez from Flamengo, and they signed Mario Lamina from Nice, and they also have a couple of 
promising young players in uh, Joe Hodge, who's Irish. That's why I keep an eye on him. And uh, Luke Cundall, who's an England U21 player that they can bring up. So they have they have like they have numbers. They have players that uh, are ready to uh, become an option to replace Nevish. But whether all, uh, enough of those players are, you know, going to be able to step into that void is, is tough to predict. Uh, Nunez, I think, is the one you would rely on. He's... Uh, remember the goal he scored against Chelsea last season and like Frank's I think it was Frank's first uh, game back at uh, as Chelsea manager. We he's went to Wolves. They beat player. us one nil. He's, he's going to not a be very good for player. that long. Yeah, so I think he's going to become a poach at some point. The more worrying thing for me is their their shortage at center back after they sold Collins. Right now, the only center backs on their like in their squad are Max Kilman, good option. Uh, Totti, a Portuguese center back that they brought in a year or two ago. And then Craig Dawson, who's 33 years old and I think came in in January. Now, again, you would expect them to sign someone and, you know, make up uh, a few more numbers at the back. But for a manager like Lopetegui, who is usually pretty, you know, defensively focused, likes to play a low block. They need like an attacking player and they need because like they lost Traore and Neves, I know had a few goals like offset pieces and then Jimenez had a few goals. I don't know. It's just, it feels like it's a, a, a lot for them to be losing in a team that already struggled to score goals. Are you a big Mateus Cunha guy? I, I'm really not. I think he's all he's, right. He's, he's one of those players. He reminds me of Adama Traore, even though they don't really play the similar positions, but he's, he's a highlight real player. If you watch Mateus Cunha's like, best uh, you know runs and dribbles and and goals scored you'd think he's world class he just doesn't do it nearly often enough and that's why Atletico Madrid were willing to let him go and you know they're probably ecstatic that they got 50 million euros for him I mean they got that because he's 24 and Brazilian and he used to score a good amount of goals in the Bundesliga but there's going to need to be a, a really big leap and it's not impossible you know he's kind of like in the Mudrick class where he came in in January and didn't really do much in the second half of last season. But maybe now that he's settled, knows his teammates and is more familiar with the league, he can, you know, improve his goal scoring numbers because outside of him and some of those other players you mentioned, like Neto and Podence, you're right. There's there's not too many goals in this team. So I, I'd be more worried for them than I would be for, for Palace. I know, I know you're picking Palace to get relegated, but I think Wolves are right down there in the yeah, same Wolves sort of Yeah, Wolves are right down there. They're definitely going to be, I think, lower than 13th right now. I have them you know, finishing lower than what they did last season. So I think they're going to struggle for goals again. And I don't know. I just, I, Lupategui might need to get fired, but if you fire Lupategui, then I don't know who you go and get because Wolves is such a specific team. It's full of like Portuguese and Spanish-speaking players. I don't know. It's It's a... It's a weird team that they set up to be, uh, uh, you know, for different coaches that have different philosophies. And Lopetegui's kind of had to make do with what he's got. So I wonder if they'll they'll change now and the, their play style will be different this season. And maybe maybe we'll we'll be talking about them, you know, being a better team. I think they, they are a team that could finish better if they make a couple of signings, though. Better than 13th. Signings are absolutely necessary, which seems to be a uh, theme among all of these teams other than Chelsea. So we already know your your answer for, you know, which team out of these five would you, you pick to go down? You're saying Crystal Palace. 
I think if you put a gun to my head, I think I'd lean wolves if I had to pick one of these, you know, 10 to 15 range teams or 11 to 15 range teams to go down. Which team, and I'm going to say outside of Chelsea, would you pick to surprise this season and maybe, you know, end up in the top half of the table if you had to? Uh, I mean, wolves. <laughs> really? Yeah, because yeah, I think that they have like the the youngsters and the the players in the squad. If with a couple more additions, they'll be much more dangerous. They just need a center back. They need an attacker. Um, I think they kind of cleaned up the squad of some of the veterans that had been stinking up the starting lineup for a long time. And you know, I know John Moutinho, Neves, Jimenez, Cody. I know that you said he didn't play last year, but Traore. You know, they were getting a lot of minutes and there's going to be a lot more minutes for players um, that want to actually be there. And another one who I think is going to be a pretty significant signing was actually Matt Doherty, who was great when he was on Wolves, didn't do that well on Tottenham or on Atletico Madrid. And now he's back home and I think he'll be good for them. That man is washed. I'm telling you right now, that man is washed. If he plays significant minutes for them, they're definitely getting relegated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I have to watch him in the in the national team. So uh, what does that tell you? I I think if I had to pick one of these teams to like surprise and you know finish further up the table than they did last season, I think I'd actually pick Bournemouth. The the names aren't sexy. The signings aren't too sexy. Well, I forgot about Bournemouth. Yes, yes, yes. Bournemouth. Well, I mean they're right there on the list, Javier. No, you can't change your pick now. This is your surprise team. I get Burn or Bournemouth. Jesus. Yeah, I get Bournemouth. So. Uh, I don't think they're done in the transfer window either. I think they've got maybe one more. They like to swing for the fences. They almost got uh, Nicolo Zaniolo from Roma last season, um, but they ended up not being able to afford his wages. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see one more shock transfer for them that, uh, you know, helps Antonio Raiola out a lot. All right, Javier, that's it for part two. Thank you for jumping on this uh, with me after work. We've got two more previews pods coming up before the Premier League kicks off next week. And I forgot to mention it last week, but the Premier League restarting means the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League is back. If you're a fantasy Premier League player or you want to get into it, join the mini league. Go to fantasy.premierleague.com, create your team. You get an allowance of like a hundred pounds or whatever to sign new players. Make your team, search for Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League in the, uh, you know, searching for the leagues. Enter the code L7RRIX. You can also find that code on Twitter, uh, at Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, we've got the, the code uh, posted there and all of those same instructions if you need to come back to it. Create your team, join our fan league, beat me and Javier in uh, fantasy. You're probably more likely to beat me because I regularly uh, disappoint in that. Uh, but yeah, maybe you can beat Javier and, uh, you know, talk shit to him on Twitter. Go sign up for that right now. We'd greatly appreciate it. And it is a good time, you know, and we'll, we'll drop you some, you know, gems here and there, players that we like or players that we're looking to sell. We'll throw that into the pod on a, on a weekly basis. So you can come to us if you uh, if you've got any questions on how you should approach it. Again, Javier, thanks for uh, jumping on this one. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can do so at, at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. Keep an eye out for parts three and four before the Premier League kicks off again next week. And until next time, see ya.